St. John's Anglican Church in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia was built in 1754. It's a magnificent wooden Gothic building at the literal center of town. It was also a, a community center in its early years. In fact, uh, it was also the home of the Presbyterian congregation from 1759 to 1780. And in those days, all the clergy had to be bilingual, speaking German and English, even the Presbyterian minister. The Presbyterians eventually built their own church a little further up the hill, and they enlarged it, and then they put a spire on it that you can see from the harbor. But St. John's has pride of place in the town plan and in the town's heart. On October 31st, 2001, St. John's Church was lit up from the inside out. A fire burned within the walls and above the ceiling. And when the volunteer firefighters arrived on the scene, it broke their hearts because they had to break some windows to get to the fire. Those treasured windows, all 27 stained glass windows, were broken or damaged by the fire. It took 147 volunteer firefighters from all around the south shore of Nova Scotia 15 hours to douse that fire, and 50% of the structure was destroyed. It was an easy decision to save what was left and build onto it, and they did. Unemployed shipwrights reconstructed the roof and the beams. Local stained glass artists salvaged what they could and learned historic methods of painting glass to restore all 27 windows. The scorch mark on the altar was left to remind the congregation of the story. But one thing remained. Like a lot of old churches, the chancel ceiling was painted blue and filled with stars to represent the heavens above. Just one panel was left. How could they restore it? They found a wise man from further east, a stargazer, an astronomer at St. Mary's University. Could he work from that one piece and some photographs and reconstruct something like what local people called the mariner's sky? Dr. David Turner recognized a constellation on the painted panel and in some pictures, Perseus. But it was placed low, too far south to be visible in a Lunenburg night sky. So using special software, Turner scrolled back 2,000 years to see the sky as it would have appeared over Lunenburg on the very first Christmas Eve. And what he saw on his screen and on that painted panel was, were the same. No one knows how the original painter captured that skyscape. He must have been a wise man. He certainly studied star charts. Or maybe he was inspired. The night sky, as it would have been over Lunenburg on December 24th in the year one. You may be wondering how the fire started. Well, 
Kids in Lunenburg celebrate Halloween by setting fires. On New Year's, they shoot guns into the air and then are surprised when the bullets come back down. But, and I've been there for that too. Um, but on Halloween, kids light fires and there's lots of dry leaves on the ground. And the dry leaves on the ground at the foot of the tower were set alight. And the fire definitely started in the tower. The fire marshal later traced the fire to old wiring in the tower. But it's amazing. And you can see that amazing and beautiful sky if you go to Lunenburg and visit St. John's today. It's also amazing that around the time Jesus is born, according to Matthew, some Persian astrologers map and remap the sky night after night, chart the movement and placement of stars day after day, looking for signs and omens. Now, they are Zoroastrian priests, and they're watching and waiting for the prophecy that's at the heart of their religion to come true. A prophecy that says the greatest prophet of all, the one who will bring truth and unite the world, will come after a new star appears in the sky. And the star appears, brighter than any other star they can see, and off they go, following the star. And we don't know if there were three or thirty. Sometime closer to our time, there numbered and named and colored. We're told they bring three gifts, but we don't know how many hands present the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's also not clear how old Jesus is, just that they come, drop their gifts, and then go home by another way, after they're warned in a dream not to stick around and not to follow a known road. Why? Well, this is where our reading from Isaiah chapter 60 ties in. And Matthew wants us to take note of that connection. The foreigners go to Jerusalem first with their gifts. And it fulfills Isaiah's prophecy, at least in part. It also makes sense for them to to look for a powerful potential ruler in a capital city. The king or his staff, prophets, and priests will have the answer. That's how it works back home where the Magi come from. Now, King Herod's parrots probably know enough of Isaiah's words. And Isaiah 60 means big change ahead. Big trouble for the establishment. I mean, first of all, God is going to take over the city, and then God is going to fill it with former citizens, foreigners, animals, and fish. So Isaiah's, or uh, Herod's prophets, repeat the words of another prophet, Micah. Those words still mean trouble for Herod, but maybe he can do something about it if he acts quickly. A king descended from David will be born in Bethlehem. And so the strangers go, and then they go home, and Herod sends his forces to Bethlehem and all around the town. And Joseph 
gets a warning in a dream. So off they go, that little family, seeking refuge, asylum in Egypt. So think about it. The story begins with Gentiles, not sons of Sarah and Abraham, not children of Israel, scholar priests of a religion that is not the religion of Judea or Mary or Joseph, and not the faith that Jesus inherits and will own. And the story ends with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph on the road to Egypt, far from Palestine, far beyond the sacred borders of Israel, to a country that has been their enemy since the Exodus. Why does Matthew begin with these strange stories, these strange events? He keeps telling us this or that fulfills prophecy, but honestly, after a chapter or three, that wears pretty thin. Matthew crafts a story of Jesus' origins because he's writing a biography. And in Matthew's days, biographies of important people begin with collections of stories about their origins. And those stories are packed with tags and threads that we are meant to carry through the rest of the story. Those tags and threads tell us in advance what the author wants us to understand about the subject right at the beginning. So Matthew wants us to know that Jesus doesn't just fulfill Hebrew prophecy. He is, is not just Israel's hope. He is the hope of the whole world. Jesus, in fact, will live out his own people's story starting with refuge in Egypt and then a homecoming. And Jesus will also reveal for the sake of the whole world a God big enough to reach beyond Palestine, to Persia, to Egypt, and beyond those known but still foreign countries. And Matthew will end his version of Jesus' life with Jesus sending his friends to every nation to make more friends, more disciples. Why? Because, after all, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth is his. But we already get that, because we've read chapter 2. Raymond Teller and Penn Gillette are magicians. And in their comic performances, they actually debunk claims that magic is anything more than hands tricking eyes, hearts tricking minds. Teller was a teacher first. He taught Latin to high school students, and they loved it. A reporter recently asked Teller, who, who never speaks in his performances, Penn never shuts up. Teller is silent, but the reporter asked Teller, and after after a silence, Teller answered, the reporter wanted to know what he thinks of the efforts that schools make now to protect students from discomfort by censoring teachers' content and requiring trigger warnings. Teller said, when I go outside at night and look up at the stars, the feeling that I get is not comfort. The feeling that I get is a kind of delicious discomfort at knowing that there is so much out there that I do not understand, and the joy in recognizing that there is enormous mystery 
which is not a comfortable thing. Delicious discomfort. Enormous mystery. The starry sky over the altar at St. John's Church in Lunenburg was probably painted all those years ago to give comfort, a reminder that heaven is always near and not just inside the sanctuary. But I wonder, I wonder if generations of fishers and their families saw the mariner sky, a clear night sky, and felt delicious discomfort in the presence of enormous mystery. To know you have to go out on the water in the dark and to have a sky like that overhead actually makes you want to go. Because on the sea, on a clear night like that, a fisher like my, my dad, uh, my uncle, my grandfather, my ancestors who landed in Lunenburg two years after St. John's Church was built, a fisher on a night like that knows three things. How small and vulnerable he and his friends are in their little dory out on deep water. But with a clear sky like that, the sea will be calm. And they'll have no problem finding their way home. They may not know how to swim, really, but they can read the sky and row home. Now, most nights off the East Coast, just seeing one star has to be enough if you don't have GPS. But after a lifetime reading the whole sky, the Magi follow one star. It's their GPS toward Palestine, Judea, Jerusalem, and finally Bethlehem. They know the star just might mean all their hopes and dreams will come true. But that's not exactly comforting. When prophecy is fulfilled, there's still enormous mystery. And there are always surprises. They bring gifts for a king, and the star leads them to a little baby, a family, in a humble home. Our life in the world, growing up, growing older, dying, it's all a journey into mystery, enormous mystery. And the more we grow, the smaller we understand we are. Deliciously uncomfortable in the presence of enormous mystery. But it's that discomfort that makes us move forward, spurs our growth, keeps us asking questions. And we're not deterred when the questions aren't answered to our satisfaction, if at all. We keep asking seeking, learning. Now we can deny that, we can fight against it, we can seek certainty and claim false certainty. Or we can travel onward with wonder and delight, looking for and finding a star to guide us into mystery. And Matthew wants us to know for certain Jesus is that star. Or, as John puts it in the beginning of his gospel, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't put it out. Amen. Glory to God.